A new Texas law passed during the recent legislative session could protect numerous lives of unborn children in the Lone Star State, but it hasn't been without controversy. I'm Brandon Waltons, and on this episode of The Autopsy Files, we take a look at the heartbeat bill. You are listening to The Autopsy Files by Texas Scorecard, a production of 1836 Studios. The premise of the heartbeat bill is to make abortion illegal when a heartbeat can be detected, usually around six weeks after inception. Put simply, if the heartbeat is detected, the life is protected. But despite Republicans holding majorities in the state legislature for decades, it wasn't until this year that the major move was made. First, a little history. Last legislative session, a heartbeat bill filed in the Texas House garnered four joint authors and 52 co-authors before even being referred to committee. All of the authors who signed on were Republicans, yet former Speaker Dennis Bonin referred the bill to the House Public Health Committee, which was chaired by State Representative Sanfronia Thompson, a pro-abortion Democrat at the time. The movement almost certainly sealed the bill's fate and went no further in the legislative process. After the session, however, grassroots activists pushed for stronger pro-life laws. Delegates to the Republican Party of Texas's convention even pushed to keep abolishing abortion in the party's platform. With the legislative session starting in 2021, the heartbeat bill was one of several pro-life bills sought after by pro-life activists and organizations. My name is John Sego. I serve as the legislative director for Texas Right to Life. Texas Right to Life is the oldest pro-life organization in the state of Texas. He says the progress on the heartbeat bill began even before the session gaveled in. Yeah, this session you had uh, Senator Brian Hughes as the champion, and he had an interim hearing back in November before the session to ask about what else can we do on pro-life front uh, to save innocent human lives is specifically including uh, heartbeat bills. And uh, so he kind of, before the session even started, had an eye on filing a heartbeat bill and uh, was very motivated to do that. And then the question is, well, how can we pass a heartbeat bill that survives and succeeds where other states have failed? State Senator Brian Hughes did indeed end up filing the heartbeat bill with Shelby Slauson as the sponsor in the House, But other heartbeat bills had been attempted in other states and were quickly struck down by courts. What makes this bill different? So at the core of it, the heartbeat bill requires an abortionist to determine the age of the child and to use the standard medical practice to detect the heartbeat of the child before an abortion can continue. And if the heartbeat is detected, then that abortion is prohibited by law. So that's at the, the core requirement for the abortionist. He has to do some documentation of how he complied with all of these steps. And then um, if he has violated the law, uh, he is kind of at risk of a private cause of action where regular citizens have standing to go to a court and to prove to a judge that this 
uh, abortionist violated the law. And if he's found guilty, he is subject to at least a $10,000 fine. A private cause of action means that anyone can file a lawsuit against an abortionist or those that aid and abet them. Why take that strategy? John says the reasoning was twofold. Yeah, so there's kind of two main motivations for us. First, we have lawless district attorneys on our hands where uh, back in October, uh, we had attorneys general and district attorneys around the states uh, kind of signing this public letter saying they refuse to enforce pro-life laws. They actually said even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, they will not use their office to prosecute those who violate our abortion laws. There were four test, uh, district attorneys from Texas on that list. So that kind of solidified something that we've been frustrated for a decade of, you know, we find a violation or a bad acting abortionist, we have to turn over evidence to the local DAs who are, you know, the, our abortion clinics are in democratically controlled areas of the state, you know, Austin, Houston, Dallas. And uh, so those kind of criminal charges were never being brought because these district attorneys were just lawless and not, not pursuing them. The second one is how do we succeed where every other state has failed? Every other, you know, the dozen states that had heartbeat bills on the books, uh, they had criminal penalties and administrative penalties. And ultimately, all of their bills had been enjoined or had not gone to, into effect yet because of concerns about whether this violates Roe v. Wade. And so we needed a creative way to get around that um, and to make sure the bill will actually be enforced if we passed it without relying on district attorneys. So we decided to take out criminal and administrative penalties and solely rely on civil liability. When the session began, the Texas Senate wasted no time to move quickly on advancing pro-life bills out of the chamber. Senator Hughes, this was his first session of being the chair of state affairs. And that was a game changer because he decided very early in session, he was going to hear and he was going to pass all of the pro-life bills that he had in his uh, in his committee and just send them over to the House and just plop them all on the you know doorstep of the House of Representatives, kind of in a daring of like, all right, it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> let's see what you do, you know, how, how bad you you fail. And so that really set us up for success. So we knew something significant was going to pass um, and in the House. And we were pushing for actually, I mean, if you can imagine it, a bill that was stronger than the heartbeat bill. Uh, we were working on an omnibus bill. And so we were pushing that passed out of the Senate. And then you have this whole package of pro-life bills just dropped in, in the House's lap. And then, you know, Speaker Phelan is, and his leadership is kind of stuck with this question of what do we pass? Because we can't get away with another 2019. We've got to pass meaningful pro-life legislation this year. And that they did. When the House received the bill, they were forced to pass it, in contrast to the actions taken by the same chamber just two years prior. A big part of that new momentum, citizen activism. The It was a weird year for citizen involvement, right? I mean, we had some odd hearings where uh, the pro-abortion side didn't even show up in the Senate. Um, they sent in some letters, but no one showed up who was pro-abortion in the hearings. And that, I've never seen that since you know, uh, the last 10 years of going through these. So 
Um, that was interesting, but our side was still there. I mean, and that was the amazing thing is that uh, the pro-life activists still drove hours to get to Austin to tell their personal story, to explain why this is their number one issue when they vote Republican, um, to explain how they invest in their local pregnancy centers to support women uh, who choose against abortion. So, I mean, that, that was critical. And thankfully, they were louder than ever and paid attention to more than ever this session because uh, our pro-abortion friends were you know, too, too scared of the, uh, the pandemic to show up. After the bill was signed into law, pro-abortion activists quickly turned to the same place they always do, the courts. So typically what happens with pro-life legislation is we file a bill, we pass the bill, and the abortion industry immediately says, we'll see you in court. And by the time it gets to September 1st, when the bill's supposed to take effect, uh, we have a activist state, or sorry, an activist federal judge who has gone out of his way to find an excuse to give a preliminary injunction, to kind of put the bill on hold. That didn't happen this time. The judge, the federal judge that this case went to, fumbled so badly that he could not get a preliminary injunction out in time. And he actually made some mistakes along the way that our side was able to appeal directly to the Fifth Circuit, which always gives us a more fair shake when it comes to pro-life legislation. So we got to September 1st and there was no injunction in sight. Uh, There was no way for the industry to stop the bill. So they asked the Supreme Court for an emergency motion to get involved right before the bill takes effect. And the Supreme Court essentially said, no, uh, you know, this motion is only to be granted if you can prove to us that you're going to win on the merits of the case. And we don't see that. There's no evidence that you're actually going to be able to prove how this uh, bill is a threat of irreparable injury. And so uh, they said no, and they denied that, that motion. And so come September 1st on Wednesday, last Wednesday, the bill did go into effect. And it's been in effect uh, for almost a week now, and it's been saving more than 130 lives every day. But with that amount of lives being saved from abortion comes the backlash from the pro-abortion mob. After the bill went into effect, Lyft and Uber offered to pay the legal fees of any driver sued under the act. Website hosting service GoDaddy pulled a tip page by Texas Right to Life designed for citizens to report abortionists. Hackers tried to take down their website altogether. I mean, this is really a a fascinating moment in our state and in our country because we're getting a glimpse of what an abortion-free society would look like. And it's in on one side, it's a devastating view of how gone our society is in a, in kind of building itself around abortion. I mean, the the tenor of the criticism and the ranting and the attacks and the uh, you know op eds and the talking heads in the media is just it's an amazing level of evil. I mean, just arguing that for our society to function, we have to have this uh, this act of violence, you know, this really amazing, you know, evil practice at its core. And you're seeing a lot of pushback that Texas is almost abortion free. And that is, 
you know, just unthinkable for those on the far left. And so, I mean, it's been a really incredible and enlightening two weeks. And unfortunately, you know, it shows how far gone our society has been and just assuming and just taking for granted that, of course, you have to be able to kill your child to succeed in your education or to compete in the um, in the marketplace or that somehow being able to take the life of your unborn child is the only just way to respond to sexual assault or other difficult circumstances. It's really, really awful to see this uh, kind of level of debate, but that's what we're looking at. And I mean, it just shows you how deep uh, this abortion industry has its claws into society. So it's encouraging that we're saving hundreds of lives every day, uh, but also it shows you really uh, the kind of the true nature of this fight and uh, trying to undo this, this incredible injustice of elective abortion. While there is still a legal fight going on in the courts over the Heartbeat Act, the fight to end abortion altogether is far from over. <clears throat> so the Heartbeat Act is not out of the woods yet. There's still a legal fight going on uh, at the Fifth Circuit about the Heartbeat Act while it's, you know, it is actually being enforced, but still some legal steps there. But more importantly, the, the battle is not won on abortion. Uh, you know, abortion is still legal before six weeks. And now practically, that means you're talking about less than 15% of abortions that we typically have in Texas. But, you know, abortion represents uh, a really gross act of injustice. It really is a violation of that right to life. Um, and so we still have to keep fighting. And it's only going to get more difficult for Republicans who are trying to uh, seem reasonable to the left or to make friends on both sides of the aisle um, because we're getting to the harder cases. We're getting to banning all elective abortions. And while some of our elected officials are ready to say that out loud, some of our elected officials are hoping that you won't notice that they have kind of exceptions or that they're not as devout pro-life as, as you and I are. So um, well, we're going to have to hold our elected officials accountable. And holding them accountable means fighting back against potential efforts from Republicans in the future to water down the bill. But I'm concerned that as they keep coming back to Austin and hanging out with, you know, their political consultants more than regular Texans, they may start thinking, OK, for messaging, for reelection, going back to my purple district, you know, maybe we should introduce ways to clean up, to fix you know, or to address some unintended consequences of the Texas Heartbeat Act. Uh, Texas Right to Life is going to oppose, uh, oppose any efforts to, to water down this, this piece of legislation that is already saving lives every day. Thank you for listening to The Autopsy Files by Texas Scorecard. You can find more great stories and journalism at texasscorecard.com. If you like this production, leave a like and review on whatever podcasting platform you listen on.